Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. And folks, we have a very special guest on the line. This has been an appearance that has been many years in the making I'm so happy we finally got this done because on the line, we have the Bill Belichick of the independent podcast dynasty that takes no weeks off that will talk social studies with you with Adam Wallyhawk. Have you talking Lord of the Rings with the queen of all nerds, Aubrey Litchfield talking production and all things in between about bloodshot and who knows what with the expert Marquis Marquez Regans, ladies and gentlemen on the line for this edition of the ODPH podcast is the host of the So Wizard podcast, the one and only Joey DiCarlo. Joey, what's going on, fam? Wow. Uh, what's going on, everybody? That's a lot of pressure after that that intro there. Wow. I, I really appreciate you guys having me on. It's been a long time in the making. Like you said, we've been talking about this for, what, three years now? Yes. Uh, schedules are tough, man. Schedules are tough when you're old and you try to do podcasts every week and all this. Now, you guys do more than us, so, I mean, it's, it's wild, but... I really appreciate you guys having me here, and I'm ready to rock and roll. And something I don't usually get to do in the podcasting world is talk sports. So this is this is exciting stuff. Yeah, absolutely, because when we were thinking about having you on, I was like, you do so much with the land of nerd that we were thinking, okay, let's do a little curveball, because you are an avid sports fan. You were the number one draft pick when we started doing Locks and Leaps and expanded outside the 607 podcast, fam. So this was a no-brainer for us. Yeah, it, it's weird. I just I've always loved sports, and I've always been a huge, obviously Boston sports fan. I'm from the Boston, New England area, I guess you could say. Uh, it, and it does clash a little bit with your nerdiness, but I just love it so much. I do. I just love these sports so much, and, and not just the Big Four. Up here in the Northeast, we have the Big Four. People start talking about college football. I'm like, what are you even talking about? Like, we don't follow that, but. I also like boxing, uh, do some MMA, so just all in on sports, and we don't really get to talk about it on the show. Sometimes I might sprinkle it in a little here and there, but for the most part, it's all nerd stuff, so this is exciting. This is a very exciting time for us. Yes, indeed. And before we get talking sports here on the ODPH, where if you want to find out more about the podcast, simply swing on over to odphpodcast.com, why don't you let our listening audience know what you do over the So Wizard podcast? Oh, boy. Well, it's an exciting and new concept in podcasting that's never been done before. We saw an opening. There's an underserved niche, (laughs) and we went for it. Uh, Three friends get together and review nerdy movies. So it was just, wow. Couldn't believe no one was doing that. that, That's pretty much what it is. Me and my friends, uh, Aubrey and Mark Ellis, we review movies every single week. Uh, Guests cycle in and out as needed, but for the most part, it's the three of us reviewing a film every single week. We've been doing it weekly since 2014 with no breaks, and it's mostly just genre stuff. So you're looking at like superhero movies, action movies, horror movies, sci-fi, all that kind of stuff. 
and every week we got a deep dive on something. Uh, sometimes it's a big release. Sometimes it's just a weird streaming thing, but we're going to always be there for you every week. And then we also have our YouTube channel, which is supplemental to the podcast. Uh, Adam runs that, and that is all interviews with creatives, directors, writers, actors, actresses, comic creators, unboxings, trailer reactions, all sorts of stuff that's supplemental to the podcast along the same lines. And it's all there for you. It's nonstop content, just pumping it out. And it'd be great if somebody wants to check it out. The big hub is SoWizardPodcast.com. Excellent. And you definitely should sign up immediately for their Patreon after this podcast, too. The links are all in the liner notes of this show. So that being said, let us kick off the sports edition of the podcast, talking the NFL week that was. The first week is in the books. Locks and leaps was a little crazy. So, Joey, why don't you lead us off? What was one of your locks that we should be talking about this week? Uh, my first lock was the Ravens. Oh, I was going to say, that seemed like an easy pick. Uh, yeah, no, it was a good game for certainly for Baltimore. Uh, Baltimore won by the final score of 24-9. to uh, Lamar Jackson, 17 of 30, 213 yards passing, three touchdowns, one interception. Uh, Joe Flacco, uh, 37 of 59, holy shit. Uh, 307 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. So, Joey, how would you describe this game? Oh, it was awful. <laughs> yeah. Not a fun watch. I mean, if you're if you're a Jets fan, Jets yes. Are, right. The Jets are horrendous, and they've been horrendous for a long time, and they're probably going to be horrendous for a long time in the future. Uh, the sad thing is watching their coach in press conference, maybe even today or the, after the game, and he's already starting to lose it. He's already doing the yeah. sit up, pay attention. If you don't like our team, wait till we're winning type stuff. Oh God. Um, well, that's and that's fine. But waiting till we, they're winning means like he's not going to be there. <laughs> yes. They're winning is after he's been fired um, down the line. I and I just I can't fathom a time when the Jets are going to be good any time in the future. And I have friends who are long suffering Jets fans, and I just I can't do it. They are the Patriots' chief rival, even though it's not much of a rivalry. Mm-hmm. It hasn't been for God a long time. Yeah, Probably since since the early Rex Ryan days. Right. Uh, since probably the early. Yeah, about 2010-ish, 2009, yeah. around yeah. there. It's the last time it actually meant anything. So it's not like they're rivals, but I can't let it go. I can't. So while there are teams that we may be rivals of or division rivals of, and I know Buffalo is one for you. Yes, yes. I would have absolutely no problem with the Bills winning a Super Bowl. Like, it would not be upsetting to me at all. Even last year when you blew us out in the playoffs – that you guys were celebrating, and but it, it never felt like a rivalry like that to us because we beat you all the time. Exactly, so. like like I always tell Bills fans right now because like we're having success and like they're just running their mouths. I'm like, you do forget the past decade where Tom Brady basically had rent uh, checks coming in every month from Bills fans because he was owning the team completely left and right. Right, it wasn't much of a rivalry, so. It, I, and I, I cannot imagine what it's like to have gone through losing those four Super Bowls in a row. Was that was that was before your time? No, right? no. You live through that was like literally when I declared that the Bills were my team was the year before when they lost to Cincinnati in the oh. championship game. Oh, so I was right there. I was sitting watching Scott Norwood come in, and my dad, God bless his soul, called because he was actually at the Super Bowl, and he said, "Ken, don't watch the TV. Whatever you do." And he like somebody told him Scott Norwood is going to completely shank this. And lo and behold, what happens? Wide right. So maybe you're the reason they've lost for so many years. 
Well, see, here's the thing. I've stuck with them. See, they're like the bad girlfriend I want to leave. Uh. See, because if I was smart, I would just jump ship right then. But I decided to stick around through the Washington and then the back at the back Dallas debacles where, you know, we can't hang on to a football to save our lives. And then I was like, okay, this would have been the perfect time to jump ship because, you know, the, the omen was out there. Yeah. No, I stayed. I've stayed through the years of Rob Johnson, J.P. Lossman, oh, Lord. E.J. Manuel. I mean, the list goes on and on, Trent Edwards. If, well, if only we had the podcast, because I remember when E.J. Manuel got drafted, and I was watching that draft with you. <laughs> oh, my God, Joey, his reaction was the most priceless thing I've ever seen. The Bills literally, I could only imagine. The Bills literally, you know, oh, with the whatever pick and the whatever NFL draft, the Buffalo Bills draft E.J. Manuel, and he literally stands up and goes, who? Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, thank God we didn't have a camera on me because I would have been kicked off most providers. Yeah, that was a rough time. Yeah, no, I mean Jets got don't have Jets don't have much going, but I'm, I mean just looking, you know, they had their rookie running back Michael Carter, sixty yards, no touchdowns, which you know, hey, against Baltimore for your your first game of this your career, that's not bad. And then the other one we got to talk about, you know, they don't got much. They got something they can build around. Sauce Gardner, holy shit. Yeah, uh, saw some stats the other day. Uh, he had 34 coverage snaps. He uh, allowed one catch for eight yards and one forced incompletion. Good Lord. They have good pieces. There are some good pieces there. It's just, it's so far off. And it just reminds me a lot of the Pats this year, which just makes me sad because, you know, I'm a big Pats fan. But they, they're a decent team, but they're not good enough. And the rest of the AFC is so much better that, it almost feels like a waste. Like just, just get to the draft already at this point. Like we're going to get blown out in most of these games. <laughs> so yeah, uh, at least L- Lamar Jackson looked uh, fantastic. So it was getting a little nervous at the beginning. It was kind of close for a little while. And then he, he opened it up. So, and he didn't blow out his knees like I had predicted in the first <laughs> game. So Yeah, no, he looked great. The, I think Lamar came in, obviously it's a contract year for him. I mean, it was crazy. He turned down the offer before the seed, the last one that came in. Well, and, and whatever it was reported in the news, it got brought up to him post game. And he goes, yeah, that's still south of what they actually offered me. So it, I, it was reported like 160 to 180 million guaranteed. And they asked him about it in post game, asked him about it post game. And he goes, uh, yeah, that number is still south of what they actually offered me. Wow. That's in, like that whole scenario is just so insane to me. But Baltimore is always very good about with their contracts, so I'm sure that if he plays well this year, oh, they'll take care of him. And, and obviously, with games like this, yeah, it's against the Jets, and the Jets are completely awful. Their defense is the only thing redeeming, and Sauce Gardner is going to be the next Daryl Revis on that team. Like he's going to be a shutdown corner; nobody's going to throw near him. But when your offense is so stagnant and can't do anything, and Flacco looked absolutely abysmal out there. Brees Hall was the only bright spot to a degree until he started fumbling. And there is just no signs of life that if you're a Jets fan, you're going to do anything this season. Mm-hmm. Completely. Yeah, no, that's not looking good. No, it's definitely not. But if you're a Ravens fan, there's a lot to be excited about because I think the biggest question is you lost Hollywood Brown. He went out to Arizona. Your, yep. your wide receiver core was looking a little shaky. But they had some people step up. And, I mean, that's something that – is much in the vein of the Patriots. Yeah, I would say so. You know, Baltimore, you ain't got much going. You know, you've obviously got Lamar, which is going to help a lot. Running game, nothing special. You know, Kenyon Drake, 31 yards, rushing, no touchdowns. Uh, receiving, they kind of passed it around. You know, Rashad Bateman, 59 yards catching. Uh, Devin uh, Duvernay, 54 yards. Mark Andrews, 52 yards. You know, Demarcus Robinson, 19 yards. So, like, nothing that's like, oh, my God, I got to go pick this guy out on my fantasy wire this mm-hmm. week. Week, But they'll pass it around. 
Right. And Lamar Jackson is, and please do not think I'm putting him on the level of Tom Brady, but he is one of those types of quarterbacks where he can elevate those players. Oh, absolutely. Those are like wide receiver five on some other team. Mm. And he's bringing him up in, in, in status because he's that good of a, a, a player. So, you know, never forget, you know, Tom Brady made Chris Hogan a household name and the guy was that's true lacrosse player. So, that's true. I, and, and please don't think I'm saying that Lamar can do that kind of magic because no one can. Yeah, nobody can. can. I remember I remember him in Buffalo. Nobody can. Right. Uh, but he's good enough that he can elevate some of those other guys. It would be nice to see them get him a weapon. I know um, Odell Beckham's still out there. Uh, a little bit of locker room cancer, but if it's going to put him over the top especially the way the AFC is, I wouldn't mind seeing them try to sign him. I can't imagine him going to the Rams at this point. So, No, I, I don't I don't know where he's going to wind up if he, if he even comes back this year. I mean, Baltimore would be a perfect landing spot for him, but he had the chance to go there before, and he did not want to go for or whatever reason they couldn't make the deal. So I don't know if he would try that at this stage because I think right now the place he, he should go is Green Bay because Green Bay needs a lot, but we'll, yeah. we'll get into that a little later. But for this game, though, I think Baltimore definitely made a statement, especially in the AFC North, which they needed to do because I know that they were more or less a bubble team going in. But this is definitely a step in the right direction for them. Mm-hmm. So that said, Joey, what was one of your leaps this week? Oh, man, I took Atlanta over New Orleans. And, man, and, oh, I'm sorry, go. I was going to say, in, in Atlanta, God, they have a history of giving up leads, don't they? Yeah, they do, especially 25-point leads. hey uh, yeah, New Orleans won by the final score 27-26. Jameis Winston, 23 of 34 for 269 yards passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Marcus Mariota, 20 of 33, 215 yards passing, no touchdowns or interceptions. Uh, dear Jameis Winston, please remember Michael, as somebody who has Michael Thomas on his fantasy football team, please remember you have Michael Thomas on your wide receiver core sometime before the fourth quarter, please. Thank you. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I had Michael Thomas on my fantasy team. And up until like halftime, he had maybe like one catch, if not, if if that, if any. And I'm like, he's healthy. There was nothing on the waiver wire about him being questionable or like, you know, limited snap count or whatever. I'm like, what the hell's the deal? And then he st- and then he started catching balls and whatever else. I'm like, oh, okay, they remembered he's there. So Joey, your thoughts on this? I I was just surprised at how it went. I, I had a Corderell Patterson on my fantasy team. I had him on the bench. Yeah, I know the pain. I didn't start him because of the vaunted New Orleans defense. I had a young who co on the bench. Um, So I left about, you know, 35, 40 points on my bench last week. Oh, Jesus. I'm 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 looking. Yeah. Young, uh, young who co four or five from field goal, two for two on extra points. Hey, yeah. Yeah, and because I just basically wasn't expecting to do anything with Marcus Mariota under center. It almost feels like a, a wash year like a gap yeah. year almost yeah um, i i can't imagine being a falcons fan well i can't imagine being a falcons fan period yeah. <laughs> bridge at this point but I, I can't imagine being a falcons fan trying to be excited about the signing of marcus Mariota. the guys are like three-time retread at this point like uh, it, it, it seems like a wave the white flag type of year for them sadly and just the fact they're able to put up a fight was really nice it's sad that they blew the lead but i think that they could take a lot away from it and I just think they're going to be one of those weird, scrappy teams that's going to win games they shouldn't win and then lose games they shouldn't lose and end up just missing the playoffs by, like, one game or two. Yeah, no, I, I used to be roommates with somebody who was a Falcons fan, and he shared a thing on his Instagram reels or Instagram stories on Sunday 
where it was a drawing somebody had done of, the, of Pepe the Frog. Uh, where, <laughs> it was sad. It was a sad Pepe, you know, like he's sitting there, sad Pepe the Frog, uh, with a Falcon's hoodie on, and it, it was him crying, and it, it was just like, oh, time for another exciting season of being a Falcons fan. So I, I know a Falcons fan, they're not excited about this year because, like we said in the preview show, they're not expected to finish anywhere better than the fourth place, you know, in this division. You know, Marcus Mariota, let's face it, is your, is a transitional quarterback. He is simply a, hey, you are the best available option we have until we can find a quarterback of the future. You know, hey, Cordell Patterson looks great for you this week. Not going to happen every week, you know, so looks good for them there. And then on the receiving core, Drake London had a hell of a game, five catches, 74 yards, no touchdowns, you know, but. I'm not again. I'm not expecting this every week. And on the flip side, it's a it's a good look for New Orleans because I think that was one of the biggest questions with Jameis Winston coming in was okay. You were not all that good in Tampa Bay. You know, you you had some moderate success, I guess you could say. You know, but then you, you, it was like what was he was like a member of the thirty thirty club, like thirty touchdowns, thirty interceptions. Mm-hmm. You know, but then all right, you're in the New Orleans system. What what's going to work? You know, t- uh, Taysom Hill, eighty one yards r- rushing. Elvin Kamara only had thirty nine. But then the receiving core, he was spreading the ball all over the place. Jarvis Landry, 114 yards. Michael Thomas, 57. Uh, Juwan Johnson had 43. Uh, Chris Olave had 41. So I, I think it's a good first step and a good showing for New Orleans. Asterisk, it is Atlanta. Because, Pat, who is Atlanta? What is Atlanta? Atlanta is bad. Yeah, they are. I mean, there is nothing redeeming about this team except maybe Kyle Pitts. Yeah, Kyle Pitts is good. Maybe. Like, I'm sorry, like, the fact that they were still in this game, I was going, we were watching a Buffalo Wild Wings commercial because, like, <laughs> seriously, they're not, I mean, the fact that they're still an NFL team at this stage is beyond me. This game, I'm, I'm sorry, Joe, like, my mind is completely blown away every time I see Atlanta, like, show up, and when they look like they're winning, I'm just going, how are they going to find a way to blow this? And lo and behold, they, they, they have definitely become that team over the years. But I, I just think the takeaway for me from the game was that Atlanta looked like they had fight in them that I did not expect them to have, even though they blew the game at the end, which is very Atlanta of them. My expectation was for them to get blown out. So whether when we say the Ravens looked good against the Jets. Yeah, but of course, but they were supposed to look good. against mm-hmm. them. That's what the, how the game was supposed to go. The game that we were talking about now, the Saints were supposed to blow out the Falcons. They weren't supposed to be fighting for their lives. So when you see, you know, a moderate to poor team that at least has fight in them, you know you might get some exciting games throughout the year. They're not going to give up all the way through. Whereas I expect the Jets to roll over by the middle of October. Um, oh, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. As well. But I think that the Falcons will kind of be there throughout the year, winning weird games and losing weird games and eventually just missing the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, that could definitely happen with, I mean, they're just, such... I, I could see not to interrupt you. No, no go ahead. No, I could see the saints squeaking into the playoffs and, and just like the Pats last year, like squeaking into the playoffs and just get blown the fuck out in the first round. Cause they're just good enough to kind of be there there, but they're not good enough to go far. So. Yeah, no, I agree with you about that. Like the thing is, as long as Winston is playing at a decent level, not a great level, but a decent one, I think he can sneak them in. It's just yeah. with Atlanta, it's you look at him and go like Mariota's best days are way past him right now. And sure, this team probably was amped up for game one, but this is I'm not saying the season's completely washed after this, but you have to think this is such a demoralizing loss, and it's like here we go again. 
that how do you bounce back from this? Well, I'll tell you what, I'm looking right. at this looking at their schedule. They're not going to bounce back any easier because uh, this upcoming week, week two, they're in Los Angeles playing the Rams. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> and then after that, in week three, they go up to Seattle and play the Seahawks. Yikes. After that, you think, oh, this might be a little easier. No, they're playing Cleveland, which eh, you never know what you're going to get out of that. And then they go to Tampa Bay. Oof. Yeah, that is a completely rough stretch for them. But, I mean, this is going to be a true test to see if this team can actually be relevant. I mean, I'm not saying good, but I'll say relevant. Like, you know, they show up on Sundays. I, if, I was a, if I was a Falcons fan, even if they came out of this stretch like 0-5, 0-4, 0-5, if the games are competitive, I would be happy with that. that that's fair. That's completely fair. I don't, I don't know how you could be a fan of that team. Look at the roster, look at the schedule, and say, yeah, this is the year. We got a chance. It's like, no. <laughs> you, 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 like a game like this past week, it was exciting and you were competitive. That's the best you can hope for. Yeah, I think most Falcons fans, they're not even thinking, oh, this is our year. Like, hey, if we get a win, we're happy. I think they got to be mad if they're going to get a win because they're probably thinking draft pick. Yeah, maybe. I mean, that's the way that I'd be. That is true. That is true. I just I remember being a Pats fan when they were horrendous. And not many people around this area remember that, and it's showing my age. But you know they were really bad, and and it, just watching the games, you're just happy if it was a competitive game. Mm-hmm. They didn't just get completely embarrassed off the field. It was it was a good Sunday. Yeah, I, I, I see. I can relate to that because that's like when the Bills were facing the Patriots during the Brady era. <laughs> so like if if we kept it within like 14, I was like actually really happy because because I, I remember that one Sunday night game they put on. It was like 45 to 10 at halftime. Yeah. I was like, yeah, Sunday Night Football, Bill Stadium, yeah, it's going to be well. <laughs> ah, I digress. So, Pad, that said, let's go to your locks and leaps. So, who you got? I did shit this week. Uh, I chose <laughs> I chose the Carolina Panthers to beat the Cleveland Browns, which, shocker, they uh, did not. Uh, Cleveland won by the final score of 26-24. Jacoby Brissett, 18 of 34 for 147 yards passing, one touchdown, no interceptions. Baker Mayfield, uh, 16 of 27 for 235 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. Joey, your thoughts? What the hell happened here all week? I know you guys are the same as me. You're looking at fantasy stuff all week. You're, you're watching ESPN. Where I work, I am right off the cafeteria. We have four gigantic TVs that are put together to make a giant TV. Oh, wow. Which plays ESPN all day. And or they switch it to NFL Network back and forth so the employees can watch it on their break. And I can hear the whole all day. I can hear it in my office and all week. I could hear it looking at the sites. This is the week. Baker Mayfield's going to go off five touchdowns. He's angry, much like the mythical angry Brady. Like he was going to come out <laughs> and just obliterate the Browns. The Browns have Jacoby Brissett. They don't have their starting quarterback. This is going to be a, a crazy game. And. Yeah, I mean it was a crazy game, but I, I didn't I didn't get that oomph from Baker Mayfield. Where was it? Where was the fire? Where was the I have to defeat my old team? He just stood on the sidelines and looked angry. So I think he, he just looking at the goal. just looking at the box score. I mean, I think he forgot it until the fourth quarter. You know, didn't score anything yeah. in the first seven points in the second quarter, nothing in the third quarter, seventeen in the fourth quarter. But hey, that's kind of garbage time by that point. You should have had it before. The other thing too, I think they ran into is Nick Chubb. God damn, twenty two carries, hundred and forty one yards. Oof, shit. Yeah, that's one thing with the Browns is their quarterback doesn't have to be the best as long as that running game is going. And with Nick Chubb being healthy because it's week one, that helps a lot. Kareem Hunt is playing for a contract. That helps a lot too. And for all that trash talk that Baker did, he hasn't been really – 
what's the word I'm looking for? Important. Mm-hmm. In, yeah, good. Good. That works too. In the NFL since the, the first year he was in because he surprised people. But he's been figured out ever since. And he and I don't know what where the major disconnect is, but that's the biggest problem with him when you see him on the field because he's not going through enough progressions. He has a, a, a serviceable squad with him in Carolina. Like I'm not saying we have all pros, but they're serviceable. He should be actually able to move the chains a little more than he did. Yeah. But he looked completely lost out there, and he just wanted to sit there, and he was just like mad that he was not getting his way. I mean, that's he seriously looked like he was just pouting. Yeah, and the Panthers are again much like the Falcons, but they're not going to be. They're not super. You're in a Super Bowl pick. No one's picking the the Panthers to go to the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. but they should be better than the Falcons. They should be a better team than that. They've got a lot of pieces. They've got weapons on offense. Uh, as long as McCaffrey can stay healthy. I'm never drafting him in fantasy ever again. Facts. Same. That guy can go rot in a, in a ditch somewhere, <laughs> um, which he probably will from his next injury. But <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm all set. But, you know, he, he has weapons. He should be able to to move the ball. This should have been a, win, a very, very winnable game for them. This should have been a four to seven point victory for them, not life and death. Jacoby Brissett, I love him. Former Patriot, love him. I think he's got uh, more Super Bowl rings, or at least tied with uh, Aaron Rodgers. So, <laughs> yes, I, I I'm sitting there thinking about it, like, yeah, Garoppolo I think Buffalo has more rings than uh, Aaron Rodgers. Facts. Oh, Jimmy G's pedigree, man. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's getting rings and banging porn stars. That guy is a legend. But yes, he, uh, uh, Jacoby Brissett is tied with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he's got one. Oh, there you go. So I, I actually like Jacoby Brissett. I always have a soft spot. It doesn't matter what sport it is for, like, lunch pail guys or blue-collar guys. You know, this guy's third-string quarterback for the pads comes in, you know, puts in his work, and he gets to start spot start in a bunch of places. He's making a career out of it. He's got a ring. So, you know, I, I'll always cheer for that guy. But he's a good quarterback, not not great. He's not, You're not going to get on his back and ride to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. But for spot starts here and there, he's not going to lose you the game. You're not. It's not like what's about to happen to the Cowboys. It's, oh, <laughs> my God. It's at least a serviceable player. So I, I think a lot of people undersold that. And, and it's just nice to see the fight. The Browns didn't roll over and say, well, no Deshaun Watson. We're probably going to go 0-6. You know? Mm-hmm. It was nice to see them not roll over. That's that's a big thing I always look for when I'm watching these teams that are kind of on the bubble or on the cusp. Like, how do the teams react when adversity hits, or or how are they like performing each week? They didn't just come out and lay an egg because they don't have their starting quarterback. They fought. Whereas you were looking for that fire for Baker Mayfield, you didn't see it. Like, where was the fire? This is the guy we picked to start. He was supposed to come out like a madman this week because it was his ex team, and this is the best he got. Does not really bode well for the Panthers going forward. So. No, they absolutely got to get McCaffrey going. I mean, 10 carries, 33 yards. That's probably part of the reason, you know, they didn't win on Sunday. You know, a little one-dimensional and only pass heavy. Yeah, I mean, I think that they got just so locked in on basically making Baker try to beat them. And I'm not going to say he choked, but he kind of did. And that could be the case. That, yeah. could, that could be the case of, hey, why don't we rely on Baker so he can really stick it to the Browns and show them what they gave up. And then it came back to bite him in the ass. And that's such a foolish right. move. And, and they're going to, every team is going to stack the box. Like, if you have McCaffrey in the backfield and he's healthy, every team is going to stack the box and dare Baker Mayfield to beat them. And so far, he has, he has not risen to that occasion. So. No, I. It's only I, one game, but. No, no, but I mean, just for being the new offense, new system, everything, especially for him talking as much as he did, he's got to at least go in there and at least show that 
the talk is actually relevant. Because like right now, it's just he's got sound clips that just mean absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Because he he didn't show up on the field. Like he's just, like I said, his most notable highlight is him standing on the sideline pouting. <laughs> like that's the takeaway from this game. He can pout better than anybody in that game. But after that, it's like you got nothing. Sorry. And for Carolina, yeah, I mean, nobody was picking him to go anywhere, and we all know that. But for Cleveland, I mean, like I said, Brissett, if he can manage them to be a little five hundred or better by the time Deshaun Watson comes back. That's a huge win for Cleveland, especially with the talent they have on that side of the ball, too. They should be putting up a lot of points. Well, now they got the ultimate, you know, X factor. Brownie the Elf is back at midfield at their at their football field. That's not that's not a joke. Like their old Brownie the Elf mascot is on the 50 yard line at their stadium for their home opener this week. Get out. I'm not kidding. I, I, we were doing this live. I ain't cutting this out. Uh, there's my mouse backing it up. Because I'm on the Cleveland Browns NFL. Uh, Are you kidding me? Yeah. Uh, the Elf is back on the midfield logo for the Browns. Brownie the nice. Elf. Yeah. Uh, but look, look, <laughs> I have no words. Yeah, looking at well, the Browns. Go ahead. I was going to say the Browns also, schedule-wise, Yeah. if if Brissett is able to manage this game for them, like he did this past one, they came back, they won. They got the Jets next week. Yep. They got Pittsburgh, who's reeling um, the week after that. They got the Falcons, who we just talked about, are not great. Uh, might be a weird game, but that's a, that's a winnable game. They don't have a really tough game until week five. Yeah. They could be legitimately have a shot at it being 4-0 and going into week five. And that would be huge. Insanity. Absolutely insane. Absolutely yeah. Absolutely insane. And that, I mean, that's – oh, I'm sorry. Go. Well, I was saying, then someone will give Jacoby Brissett a huge contract next year, and he will shit the bed. But <laughs> all, signs, all signs point to Seattle. Hello, Matt Flynn. Right. You, uh, you're on line one. <laughs> Either him or Dallas. Or them when or Dallas. Does, uh, Deshaun Watson come back? When is he back officially? Uh, after the bye week, which is like week eleven or twelve or something like that. Like they play, right. they play Cincinnati. They have the bye week, which is when I think he can technically come back. But they're on the bye week, and then the game after it's in Houston. Yeah, week twelve in Houston. In Houston. So in theory, that should be an easy game. <laughs> yeah, but Could. they. I mean, their schedule is not too bad. They have the ability to be at least close. They, like they can be in the hunt for a wild card spot if they can, the, the ball bounces the right way all the time in these games, obviously. But they have a shot of of hanging around and then have him come back and and maybe really do something, which is terrifying. Yeah, just the fact the Browns can actually do this because I mean every year that I think they're going to do good, they absolutely do bad. And this year I'm like, no, nope, they're not even going to make playoffs to watch the the wind up in the AFC Championship game somehow. I don't know how this is going to work, but. <laughs> It's going to be an interesting scenario to see what happens when Watson comes back and how the Browns are. So, I mean, that's the one takeaway we got from this one, though. But, Pat, that being said, let's go to your leap. Uh, I guess we have to. Uh, I chose the Patriots to beat the Miami Dolphins, uh, which they did not, losing by the final score of 20-7. to uh, Mac Jones, 21-30 for 213 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. Tua had 23-33, of 270 yards passing, one touchdown, no interceptions. Do we have to give the listener discretion as advised for this segment nah. between you and Joey? Nah, we'll be good. <laughs> I mean, no, you could fine. you could say whatever you guys want for this. I mean, obviously, because this, I I am right there with you. I thought the Patriots should have absolutely just demolish the Dolphins, but Joey, unfortunately, did not happen. No, and they came out and they looked really good the first drive, and then they got that interception, which was legitimately pass interference, and not just because I'm a homer. No, that was. It, yeah, I'm with you on that one. It's like, well, how did the guy not catch the ball? Well, the defender was grabbing his shirt and pulling him down. I, I'm not sure how they missed that. 
But then they just kind of shit the bed the rest of the game. They had a couple good drives here and there, but nothing really panned out. They, they just seemed so out of sorts. Mm-hmm. And I know the Pats always have trouble in Miami, even when Brady was a quarterback, even when they looked unbeatable at times during the season. They've always struggled in Miami. So I get it. But, man, it, it was just rough. It, it felt like like they lost 20-7, to but they, they spotted them 10 points. Right. For the most part, they spotted them 10 points. So we, it, it was a closer game than it should be. Tua did not look great. Miami continues to me to look like a team that's one piece away. They just mm-hmm. The last maybe like two or three years, they've just seemed one piece away. And I don't know why they got rid of Brian Flores. I thought he was a great coach. If they just had a better quarterback, if they had a better quarterback. Yeah. I, and I don't want to say it because they're in our division, but man, you know what? Let Baltimore franchise Lamar Jackson. Throw them to and a couple draft picks and take them on, and they are a dangerous team. Oh, they have no. some good pieces. <laughs> they have a good defense, and I know you like Buffalo. You don't want them in the division. Oh, God, either. no, no. Keep them the hell out of there. I know, I know, I know. But uh, they, they've always just felt one piece away, and, and I always and I just expect them to start pooping themselves by the end of the year. You know, they might start out real strong, and then they will barely miss the wild card, or if they do get in, they'll get blown out in the first round. I'm not all sold on Miami. I don't know what is going on with the Pats. I, I understand Kendrick Bourne is in the the doghouse. Can we please get him back out of the doghouse? Well, it's, it, I was reading in a report earlier. It sounds like he's out of the doghouse because uh, old Robert Kraft saw what happened on the field. He only had two catches. Uh, made his feelings very well known to the coaching staff. So uh, if that's any, if that report is true, uh, it sounds like he will get more than two targets this week. Uh, that's hopeful. They they really do need to spread the ball around, and they it just they just look bad. They just looked out of sorts, and it was so disappointing. Because for me, look as a Pats fan, look at the schedule. They could sneak in as a wild card, but every single thing has to go right, mm-hmm. and they have to somehow pull out games that they're not supposed to win. So if I'm looking at the schedule, not now counting last, I, I had them winning yesterday. So you know maybe eight and ten now if everything if they win all the games they're supposed to win eight and ten they need to get to ten wins to have a shot at a wild card so now they you look at those other games that you just look at them and you're like those are losses loss 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 there's no way they're beating arizona or baltimore some of these some of these games but you know the weather's bad not to bring up you know bad memories for you ken but you know maybe the weather's bad or you know (laughs) <laughs> the ball bounces the wrong way a couple times or something. And, and you never know any given Sunday, right? But but now they, they have to pull out a couple of those games. And I just don't see them pulling them out. I, I, I just see them like 8 and 10, 7 and 11, you know, something yeah. like that. And missing the, missing the playoffs. And, and I think you're starting to get, you see Robert Kraft speaking up now. You start to get a little scary around here. And we've had 20 years of prosperity, like, I don't know if you guys have ever been down to Patriot Place, but that's an entire gigantic shopping plaza right. construct built around the idea that people are excited about the Patriots and want to visit there. And if the team sucks for an extended period of time, I don't know what that does to that business. So I can imagine that yeah. Robert Kraft is, is going to do everything that he can to get turned around. That, that starts to get a little scary for uh, Bill Belichick. Maybe he'll be shown the door at some point. Yeah, I mean, looking at last year's schedule, you know, Miami's always, you know, a, a bit of uh, issues for them. They opened up last season against Miami where it was the heartbreaker 
uh, loss. You know, I mean, looking at this, Miami clearly came out better. You know, 270 from Tua. You know, uh, Tyreek Hill, 94. Jalen Waddle had 69. Chase Evans had 40. You know, I think this is just kind of coming out of, you know, what you, what you heard in the preseason with, oh, they have issues with the offense. They're learning the new offense, and that could be part of it. You know, obviously the whole Kendrick Bourne thing doesn't help, but, you know, is what it is at this point. You can't, and it can't exactly change anything. Running game, never been anything special. There's a reason I never take a New England running back in the fantasy football. It's just I just don't trust any of them. Listen, they'll be good, but in terms of fantasy, I just know. You know, and, and obviously you had the whole speculation with Mac Jones is back, which they're saying it's spasms. There's not an injury or something, but they're going to keep an eye on it week to week. You know, and, and you well, just if we see if we see Brian Hoyer warming up. Oh, just, Christ. <laughs> the season's over at that point. Yeah. Yeah. No, I... Yeah. He's going to lose every he's a great guy, apparently a great locker room guy, super helpful in the coaching and practice squad and. Blah blah, but you know what? He cannot win you any games. Nope. We're losing every game, he is starting, and it will be physically painful to watch. But no, I mean we'll see where we'll see where it goes. It's a long season. You never know. It's a long season, but at the same time, I think Miami just really got lucky. And I'm not saying this with my unofficial, well, no, my official bias in Miami because I can't say Miami. Miami is like my most hated team in all of the NFL. But I wow. thought. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. I don't mind the Patriots. Patriots can win all the Super Bowls if the Bills can, but if Miami wins one, I will be, like, completely angry going into the offseason until, like, week one. I just I have a, a, a much well-known hatred for Miami. just cannot stand the Dolphins. So that said, Tua, I thought, played extremely lucky. I thought that he still was showing a lot of the issues he had last year. I thought that the the pass interference, I think, took the wind out of the sails for the Patriots, and I don't think they ever really got solid footing after that. And I think that with the Dolphins getting this win, I mean, it's going to give Tua some confidence, but I still did not see enough to say, like, he's still the guy. And I think that when Brian Flores was there, mm-hmm. and uh, Joey, I agree with you completely, like the fact they let him go I thought was a complete misstep because where I thought he was making the, the good progressions with Tua, I also thought he still has not – progress that far to really earn that starting job like I don't know who you would plug and play in Miami still but I think with like Flores he was noticing that Tua wasn't the guy that's why he kept bringing in uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick to close games which I mean that's still just a weird thing but if you're stuck with that quarterback you gotta make the best of what you got I just felt like after watching this game the Patriots I don't want to say gave it to him but I think that they were just out of sync right from that get and they just never got on could be yeah, and it's it's typical Pats, too. I mean, they usually do start out the years a little slow, mm-hmm. and you kind of see them assembling what they're doing, and then by week four, now we have what the team is. But when you don't have Tom Brady or an elite defense, you can't really do that. I can't say, oh, we're going to go you know, 11-5 and five because we're going to lose the first four games and then reel off an 11-1 and one run because we have the greatest quarterback of all time under center. We don't have that right now. Right. So it, it, it's, it's a weird position, and we're almost in that. It's not an Atlanta situation, but, you know, at this point, what do we expect out of this season? I, they're not going to win the Super Bowl. It's not going to happen. I, I'd love them to win the Super Bowl every single year. It's not going to happen. Oh, sure. Even if they could sneak into the playoffs, they aren't good enough to probably even win a single game in the playoffs. And some of the other teams in the division are just so good. And they they've the other teams have gotten better and we haven't gotten better. Yeah. So 
what, no. what, what are we what are we really cheering for here? It's 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 quote unquote onto Pittsburgh. That's all all you can do as a Pats fan right now is just take it one game at a time. Hopefully we can pull out this week, and then it's on to the next game. You can't unlike when Brady was a quarterback, and you know you're 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 like okay, we're going to make the AFC Championship game. So you know week seven, you're starting to make plans of what day to take off of work. You can't do that this year. It's just you got to hope maybe they can pull some wins out that they shouldn't have and win everything they're supposed to have, and maybe we'll get where we're supposed to go. But it, it, the excitement level is down, I will tell you that. Around here, the, the excitement level is down, and people are a little dour, especially after the Red Sox have been horrendous this year. People are kind of looking forward to football, and just they laid an egg, and it just feels like garbage. Yeah. I mean, it, it and I can completely understand that too because with the Patriots have always been – contenders and even if they weren't like surefire number one seeds they still have contended and I think that obviously in the transition time that is now the post Brady era they're still finding their way I mean Mac has been very serviceable I don't think that he's as bad as some people have tried claiming I mean I think the kid has done well with what he's been given and I think that he just needs maybe a weapon here around him to really kind of have that breakout moment and then for the defensive side Belichick is always somebody he doesn't panic. I mean, that's one great thing about him, but he's just got to kind of take this game and assess and go, okay, what do we got to do to fix this? Because he's always been able to find diamonds in the rough. I'm sure he's going to scheme scheme something for next week. Oh, yeah. So I think they're going to bounce back. They'll always be competitive, even if the talent level is worse than it is now. It's just a tough it's a tough pill to swallow for new, not newer, because somebody that was born when Brady's first season, it would be turning 21 or 22 now but you know it, it, newer school fans of uh, pats that are just used to if not going to the super bowl always being competitive like this is a whole new whole new identity where we're just sitting here kind of being like man i hope we can win enough games to maybe be competitive for the wild card <laughs> that is such a weird statement but if you asked me in 1990 if I would be happy with the Patriots even competing if to just be on the screen when they show the playoff picture and in the side of the little teams, this is on the hunt. <laughs> I would have been happy with just that, just to have their logo over there. That would have been enough for me. So no, I, I could completely understand that after going through the years with the bills and like, yeah, when you see that in your team's not supposed to be well, and you can just see like the glimmer of hope. You just got to rally around that. Yep. So that said, why don't we get a quick break out and obviously, in the meantime, hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHPod. What is your takeaways from week one of the NFL thus far? We still got some more reactions with Joey from the Soul Wizard podcast on the ODPH this week. So stick around, and we'll be right back. Have you ever found yourself confused about the current state of the MCU or whatever the hell is happening with the DC universe? Do you often have no idea what the hell the difference is between craft beer and that butt ice stuff at the gas station? Well, then look no further. We present to you Hops Geek News. We're yet another geek and beer podcast in an already oversaturated market. All right, all right. We drink and we pretend we know things. More often than not, we don't really know things, but we do talk some really great topics and we most definitely can drink. We'll deliver you news and then dive into any random topic you might have never knew you actually were passionate about. With lots of fun facts about beer. And from Marvel to DC and Star Wars, and to why Die Hard is most definitely a Christmas movie. Which it is. Basically anything that our spouses are sick of hearing us talk about. Join us on YouTube or anywhere you listen to podcasts. New episodes weekly. Just search Hops News. 
Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast with special guest Joey DiCarlo from the So Wizard Podcast on the line. And let, let us go back into the NFL Week 1 recap. So, Pad, why don't you go down the scores here and let's talk some. Yeah, so uh, looking at some of the other scores, your Buffalo Bills did have a very dominant win uh, to open up the season, 31-10. Well, looking pretty good on their part, gotta say. They look good. I'm not going to crown them champs yet because the Rams were just bad and completely out of sync in their offensive line. Matt Stafford looks like he's got more problems than anybody's letting on. But, hey, we made Jalen Ramsey eat his words, so I will take that any day of the mm-hmm, week. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had the Chicago Bears beat the San Francisco 49ers 19-10 in what might be the sloppiest, and I mean that literally, like the field was the sloppiest I've ever seen a football field in my years of watching football. Joey, did you see this game? I did watch the highlights of it. It was not one that was available to us in our market, and they never switched over to it, but it was wild. It was yeah. wild. Like the fact, I, the fact I, that they pulled I off. Picked, Go yeah, ahead. I picked the Niners uh, to 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 win the game, obviously, and then I was just stunned that they that they the Niners just shellacked by the weather and never could recover from that. Yeah, I I, could, I laughed at the end, like when they pulled off the winner, like they had secured the final few seconds for the win. And, like, the, he had six or seven guys go running towards the end zone and then all, like, on a slip and slide, go sliding for probably somewhere between five and ten yards. Like, it was a good distance that I'm like, that is the worst I've ever seen a field look in a professional football game. Yeah, I have to agree with you. Like, I was trying to say we were going to talk about this for my lock, but uh, honestly, that's the only highlight to really talk about because the Bears just – Got by, the 49ers looked absolutely awful. But, hey, it rained and people were playing slip and slide. That's the takeaway from this one. This is true. Uh, yeah, the Pittsburgh. Well, you know, it is, like we said about some of the other teams, this is a game the Bears were not supposed to win. I don't think anybody t- said they think they were going to win this game until the weather appeared. Nope. So there you go. There's your there's your extra win for them now. They are, they're on the right path. Uh, you had the Pittsburgh Steelers win by a final score of 23-20 to 20 in overtime because apparently no kicker wanted to hit a game-winning field goal on that game. Pittsburgh, couple injuries. Najee Harris is uh, questionable this week. Uh, T.J. Watt left with a pectoral injury, but as we record, it apparently does not need surgery, but he will still be out six weeks. So, uh, ouch. Joey, I was going to say, have you ever seen a game end like this one did? This was ridiculous. Uh, I don't know what happened to these two teams that were in the Super Bowl, but my God, do they have a Super Bowl hangover? Yeah, it is just the Rams looked like doo doo feces and the Bengals looked like they just did not want to win this game. No matter what, no matter how many times the Steelers tried to give it back to them and say, hey, you know what? I, we're not supposed to win this game. Here you guys go. And they're just like, nah, never mind. You guys win. Don't worry about it. Oh, my God. Yeah, this whole thing was nobody wanted to win this. This was an actual mm-hmm. legitimate Buffalo Wild Wings commercial. Yeah. Because the fact of how much they went back and forth and Steelers were getting screwed out of calls left and right, too, right. in this one. And when have you seen Shooter McPherson miss a chip shot to win the game? Oh, I know. Like, And I got him on fantasy, which, you know, kind of hurts me. But at that point, he already had like eight points for me in fantasy. So I'm like, ah, whatever. I got more points than I normally get out of a kicker in fantasy. But I was leaving work as this game was finishing, and like I opened up Twitter, and everyone's talking about the catch that was made late in the game. So I flipped it on my phone as I was leaving. So I saw from the end, you know, to to from that point to the end, and, and a buddy walked by me. He goes, "Oh, what are you watching?" I go, "The wildest game I think I've seen in some time because neither team wants to win this." He goes, "Oh, really?" I go, "Yeah." I'm like, I can't tell you how many like game-winning field goals they've tried in overtime, and nobody's made one yet. Like in their chippings. Yeah. 
It, this was just absolutely insane. So the fact the Steelers snuck one out of here, that was huge to them. But, Joey, I completely agree with you. Burrow and company are on the Super Bowl hangover. And if they want to contend, they got to sober up real quick. Uh, looking over some of the other games, you had the Eagles beat the Lions 38-35. It was a very contentious game. I saw a little bit of that myself. Uh, you had the Jaguars uh, lose to the Commanders 28-22 because, well, hey, somebody had to win that game. Uh, you had the Colts and the Texans tie. Yes, folks, that's right. Week one, we've already got a tie. Now, with this one, we did take for a couple locks and because uh, obviously this should have been Indianapolis' game to win. But, Joey, how would you describe this matchup? Just another game where the underdog team showed balls. You know, the Texans expected to roll over, expected the Colts to run all over them all day. Matt Ryan's revenge tour begins and the Colts looked all out of sorts. They certainly did not look like they deserved to win this game. The Texans were trying. They're not a good team, but they were able to hang in there and at least pull out a tie. So that was, that was good for them and their fans. But my God, some of these teams that we were expecting to be contenders like the Bengals, the Rams, and now the Colts, they, they did not look good week one. They did not. I don't know if it's the lack of an extra preseason game. We missed a preseason game this year. Mm-hmm. I don't know what was going on in the offseason for a lot of these teams, but my God, some of them did not look good. Well, you know the thing, Ken, we say every year is, you, you know, you think you got the measure of a team, but then they come into a divisional game and you just don't know what's going to show up. You know, which, hey, you know, you would think when I read this stat line, you know, Matt Ryan, 352 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. Jonathan Taylor, 161 yards rushing, one touchdown. Michael Pittman Jr., 121 yards receiving, one touchdown. Niam Hines, 50 yards, no touchdowns. You, you read those numbers and you go, Holy shit, they blew they should have blown the pants off of whoever they played. But then you look and you go, wait, they tied. And Davis Mills, two hundred exactly, two hundred and forty yards passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions. That wouldn't have saw them that coming with, you know, any sort of premonitions. You know, Rexburg had nothing special. You know, like I said last week, soft spot, former Patriot, 14 carries, 40 yards. That's pretty damn pretty damn good. You know, and then Brandon Cooks, you know, again, uh seven catches, eighty-two yards. They scrapped, you know, but then again, it was a divisional game. Could this be an every week thing where they're close and they're scrappy because everyone's underestimating them because they don't really have a starting quarterback. They don't really have a a number one running back. They've got some receivers, but it's all guys who have come in from other teams. It's not a guy they've drafted in-house and they've developed for a number of years. It's it's a lot of like castaways, I guess you could say, because they also got the tight end O.J. Howard. Yeah, it's a a land of misfit toys. Exactly. I mean, that's the easiest way to describe this one. But, I mean, you did hit it right in the head. And I think this kind of sums up, too, with the Falcons and Saints game. It's division rivals. Divisions always – rivals always show up. I mean, that's the one thing that's nice about them because even though your team can be absolutely awful, they do show some pride during those games. This is a situation, though, with Houston. I was surprised they actually hung on this long mm-hmm. because they are completely outclassed in every single position to the most – Boring team in football, and that is the Indianapolis Colts, because there is nothing exciting about them. There's no highlights. It's like they could could use the old NFL grainy footage (laughs) from NFL films, and it would work. That's what happens with this team, and yet you have more kickers missing. Um, I believe his name is Blanchero. Something like that, yeah. He just got released from the Colts this morning. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, because missing as badly as he did during that game, there really isn't any excuse for that. So... It is kind of interesting to see how they're going to move on from this, but for a game that should have been a gimme, this was completely one-sided. Uh, I mean, not one-sided, but 
it should have been one-sided, and they completely faulted on it. I mean, there's really the only takeaway you could say. For the Colts, who are supposed to be a Super Bowl contender, not after that performance. Because if you can't put away a team as bad as Houston, what are you doing out there? That's the real question. Uh, looking at some of the other games, uh, the other game uh, one he had is the uh, New York Giants eked out a victory over the Tennessee Titans by the final score of 21-20, to which I know Coach and several other uh, Giants fans are ready to crown them Super Bowl champs. Calm the fuck down. It's week one. I'm keeping receipts just to let you know. Uh, but we should note that with the Tennessee Titans losing, congratulations to the AFC South, week two, and none of you have a win. Uh, the Houston Texans are have no wins, no loss, one tie. Same for the Indianapolis Colts. And then the Jacksonville Jaguars and Tennessee Titans are both 0-1. Yikes. And just to make a quick clarification to the uh, Indianapolis kicker is Rodrigo Blankenship. Okay. So apologize for messing the name up. But, Joe, I mean, how do you describe the Giants pulling this one off? It's another one of these games where the favorite just wasn't ready. I don't know what's going on with the Titans. Uh, I think some of these teams just aren't prepared, and I think we're actually starting to see that with the Patriots. But a lot of te- the down team, the underdog team, may have this. They may have the Titans circled on their schedule, or or the the, the Texans have the Colts circled on their schedule. Like they're the best team in the division. We're going to give them everything we have, and the Colts, you know, the Titans just strolling in like it's any old game. The other team's going to lay lay down, and if you have decent coaching. Like the jet, like the Giants do now. If you have good coaching staff, they're they're coaching these guys up and getting them ready to play. It's going to be a tough game, and then the ball bounces the right way at the end. All of a sudden, the Giants win the game. Uh, it, it's surprising because you, on paper, you expect the Titans to just blow them out. You expect Derrick Henry to run wild. Oh yeah, Tannehill to make his you know ten to fifteen throws a game, <laughs> yeah. throws a game, and and then you're done. It, it just never seemed didn't seem to work out. It's another. One of these teams this this past week where you're like, okay, that was a team I could pencil in in, in a wild card spot or contending, and now you're looking at me like, well, they lost to the Giants. Like, what's wrong over there? Yeah, I I don't know. The fact though, the Giants pulled this off, and for where we live, it's a very heavy Giants. Uh, oh yeah, population, so to speak. Oh yeah, and they are already talking Super Bowl. Yeah, which I mean, calm the fuck down, like. We were in our Twitter group we have for locks and leaps. You know the Giants fans and in the group were getting all excited, and I'm like, "Hey, calm the fuck down! It's still Brian Dabble with two minutes." And I almost got it right because yeah. I'm looking at the play by play. You know, I'm not going to run through everything, but like they had the kickoff. You know, and then there was the then you had the you had a penalty on Tennessee. You know, going back and forth. You know, then couple passes, Tannehill had an incomplete pass, you know, but then there was a, a penalty on the Giants for five yards, you know, and then a couple more plays, and then you had another penalty on the Giants, you know, they're going along, you know, and, and were it not for the missed field goal and just, hey, 50-50 flip a coin, you know, whether it makes it or misses it, the Giants would have lost. So, hey, is it a win? Yes. You know, is it a good win? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. You know, I'm never going to root for the Giants actively for obvious reasons. Yeah, you know, <laughs> but it, it it's it's a it's a weird thing this early in the year because you don't know if this is a good thing or not. If we get to the end of the year, the Giants are completely out of the playoffs, and we're jockeying for draft picks. Well, yeah, I mean it was a great feeling yeah. in Week One, but it costs us a player that we could have turned our franchise around with. Yeah, as opposed to uh, you know this is the start of something happening with the ball rolling down the hill. Yeah. Uh, you had the Minnesota Vikings beat the Green Bay Packers twenty-three to seven. 
Uh, yikes, Justin Jefferson, though. Have a fucking game, why don't you? Nine catches, 184 yards, two touchdowns. Oof. Joey, what's your thoughts on Aaron Rodgers right now? He, he just looks out of sorts. And, and it, you know what? And we say it in all sports, but Father Time's undefeated. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, I think Tom Brady kind of skews how people look at people's careers yeah. in the NFL. Most, most people don't make it out of their mid to late 30s. Uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers has been around for a while. He just may not have it in the tank anymore to elevate these C and D level players. We're in a thunderstorm here. I apologize for the noise in the background. No, you're good. Uh, no, no worries. He he may not have the have the mojo left to elevate these C and D level players like he used to, and, and it's you're, they're going to be in for a long year. They're going to be in for a long year unless they sign somebody at the trade deadline or, or grab somebody from another team. It, it could be a long year for the Packers. I, they looked pretty bad. They looked out of sorts, and they're another team where a lot of. A lot of other teams are going to circle Packers on their schedule and be like, this is our Super Bowl. We're giving everything yeah. we have against the Packers, and the Packers are, are hurting or are out of sorts, and they're walking in, and, and they're just going to get shellacked, and they're not going to be prepared for it. Uh, you had the, the uh, Kansas City Chiefs put the shellacking on the Arizona Cardinals. Speaking sport. of shellacking, yeah. Yeah, uh, beating them 44-21, Patty Mahomes, five touchdowns. Uh, need I say any more? Hey, thanks for my uh, fantasy win. Yeah, Arizona just... I mean, Joey, how would you describe that whole situation right now with Kyler Murray? And obviously he got his contract worked out, but it did not translate to the field. What even happened there? They looked like garbage. I don't think anyone was expecting them to beat the, the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are still a contender. They're still a top-level team, a top-level contender. But I, I wasn't expecting the Cardinals to come out and lay an egg and look like the Cardinals of 10 years ago. Uh, they they just looked bad. They looked completely out of whack. Another team in week one that just looked off. Like just something was not right, not enough practicing, not a right scheme. It, it, I don't know what was going on there, but it just did not seem to have it. Yeah, no, I, I yeah, I, somebody like the Chiefs. The Chiefs yeah. do not let you off the hook. Well, I know you, well, you blink and they've scored twenty one points. You can't let that team. Yeah, just run up and down the field on you, and that's what they did. And then they they scored some points towards the end in garbage time, but it it was not even as close as the score indicates. So. No, and, and that was the one thing that like I know they brought up on the broadcast before they switched us out of it. You know, Tony Romo and Jim Nance were on the call at CBS, and then it got so lopsided and out of control. Like I went to the bathroom at one point cause it was a commercial break came back and they were playing the Raiders chargers game. And I'm like, wait, what the fuck happened? And I rewound it and they, you know, oh, we're going to bring it to a more competitive game. That's how lopsided this was that they, that they swapped you out of the Romo Nance, Jim Nance game, you know, but I know one thing they brought up before they flipped it out of that game was Romo brought up some of the losses Arizona had on defense, like losing Chandler Jones who left in free agency that it's just, it's, it's some holes they just haven't addressed. And it might be an ugly year for Arizona. You know, yeah, you've got the offense, you know, with Kyler Murray there. And, you know, you've got James Conner on running back, you know, Marquise Brown and then A.J. Green and then uh, DeAndre Hopkins when he comes back from suspension. That, like, hey, the offense is good, but, like, you still got to stop him on defense. Well, the one takeaway I had from this, they're a completely different team without DeAndre Hopkins. Yes. And Murray looked very, very scared out there because he didn't have a security blanket. Because he could always throw it up and Hopkins would go catch it. He does not have that with Hollywood Brown, unfortunately. Obviously, the $90 million man, Christian Kirk, is in Jacksonville right now. Yeah. So he's missing a lot of production. And that running game, they got nothing going on there either. This was just a very, very lopsided win for a team that is supposed to be one of the contenders out of the NFC West. And for Kansas City, 
Patrick Mahomes doing Patrick Mahomes things. I mean, this was vintage Chiefs football right now during this Andy Reid era. I mean, nothing else you could really say about that. Uh, and then lastly, you had the uh, Los Angeles Chargers, almost said San Diego. They're always uh, San Diego. Beat the Las Vegas Raiders, final score of 24-19. to 19. So, Joey, obviously Josh McDaniel is leading the uh, Vegas Raiders now. What's your thoughts on how they performed? That was uh, pretty disappointing, but one of the few games that went as expected. I think the Chargers are a legit contender to come out of the AFC. They've improved on both sides of the ball. They were already good last year. Not good enough, but good. They passed the smell test, the eyeball test last year. They were a good team. And then they just improved on both sides of the ball. So you're expecting them now to be contending team. Like, I expected them to come in and beat the Raiders, and they did. Uh, I hope the Raiders, for Josh, I'm going to always cheer for expats, guys, if it doesn't involve hurting the Patriots. So I'm happy if Josh McDaniels can do something in Las Vegas. But uh, it just wasn't this week. Maybe another Ra- the Raiders, another team that could maybe squeak in as a wild card. Could be. Uh, I think the big thing with the with the Chargers though is that defense though intercepting Derek Carr three times. Oof. I will say this: the Raiders should have won that game outright. Derek Carr is the reason they did not. That he was making some very very bad choices about where he was going with the ball, especially late. They were contending back and forth in that first uh, first half because I, I was watching with Rich from 3FN. Okay. And we were watching, and they were making some stops here and there, but the Chargers, I mean, I'll give Justin Herbert his credit. He was finding openings, and especially on a secondary that needed to go pick up somebody, they were leaving just a random plug-and-play wide open. Like, it's just mm. you seem to have, like, a different cast of characters catching the ball, which is great for Herbert. He's spreading the ball out. And it was a situation that the Raiders were contending with him, but Derek Carr just, this is going to be the make or break year for him, obviously. And when he's trying to throw into triple coverage to Hunter Renfro, and he's not getting anywhere. Right. They're going to struggle because the only person that he was really nailing in stride to was Devontae Adams, who looked fantastic in that game. I know you got his stats up there, Pat. Uh, Yeah, he had uh, 10 catches, 141 yards, uh, and one touchdown. Yeah, no, he looked fantastic in here, and I think for the Raiders, that's a good, that's a bright spot moving forward. But this was a winnable game, and that's the one situation where the Josh McDaniels offense. I mean, I at least I thought this looked like the Patriots' way. I mean, Joey, did you kind of feel the same way too with that offense? Yeah, you can see shades of it, but again, a lot of things are easier to pull off when you have the greatest quarterback of all time under center. True. So it's going to be a downgrade. Uh, we'll see if he can run it. They didn't look horrendous. That's the thing. They didn't look like they didn't deserve to be on the field. They just kind of ran into a much better team than them, especially defensively. So hopefully they'll be able to turn around. I didn't see anything worrying other than the fact that I would have liked them to move on from uh, Derek Carr. Yeah. But were they going to pick? Who are they going to pick up? That's that's the other thing. Is like who was available? They weren't. They weren't looking to rebuild the whole team and blow it up and get a new quarterback. Who was out there that they could have put in that was better than him? Probably nobody. I mean, would moving in Jimmy G would have been a wash, really, other than yeah. the fact that he's familiar with uh, McDaniel's system. But other than that, it was, it's pretty much a wash for anyone that was out there. So I think that we get a season at least one with Carr. And then, I mean, we'll see another team where you could say, the Raiders, another team where you could say, here's Derek Carr and a couple picks, give us Lamar Jackson. Yeah, that would be huge if they yeah. could get him out there. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. I think that's a that's a big thing for Baltimore is they can franchise him and ship him somewhere for a big package. 
and <laughs> change a whole lot of divisions up real quick. Oh, my oh, God. Yeah. Just yeah, him out there with that offense, especially with McDaniels, that is a scary one-two combo. Yeah. Uh, and then one of the last games we had on Sunday uh, was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys, where you had Tampa Bay win by the final score of 19-3. to So, Joey, what's your thoughts on this one? Uh, it was a snoozer. It was, not, it was not a fun game to watch. I don't know what happened to this game that it was so blah, but the Cowboys were horrendous. They looked bad. They did not look good. Uh, Dak Prescott's now hurt on top of everything else. And now they're, their whole season is just borked. Forget it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's done. Uh, they keep saying he'll come back in, a, in six to eight weeks or something like that. They, they could they could be 0-8 by then by how bad their quarterback looked. They could be that bad. So, I don't know. It might get to the point where they're not even going to rush him back because that's how bad the Cowboys looked. Tampa Bay looked good. Tom Brady looks good. I, I don't know how. How this guy is in his mid-40s and playing at that high level. It's unprecedented. It's insanity. And I love the guy, man. I love him. I, I can't not cheer for Tom Brady. I know there's weird fans up here in New England that don't like him for some reason now because he's not on the Pats, but I'm not like that. If As long as it doesn't affect the Patriots, I will cheer for Tom Brady 10 out of 10 times. So. You know, definitely a bad loss for Dallas. I mean, apparently I saw all of the good parts of the game, which was fairly early on where it felt competitive. And then House of the Dragon came on at 9 o'clock, so I watched that. And then once, yeah. I, and then once I came back, I was like, oh, this is kind of – terrible like you know uh but no definitely not good for dallas it's gonna be real tough without dak prescott because you do, you now are gonna have to rely on cooper rush uh who unless you bring somebody else in which there's certainly some guys out there but we'll see what happens with that ezekiel elliott not a good game you know 10 carries uh 52 yards no touchdowns and then you just have you know the hole or black hole at the receiving core because you know amari cooper's gone you know, Michael Gallup didn't play this game, you know, so you, you relied on Dalton Schultz, who really didn't do anything. He, he had a game, you know, seven catches, 62 yards, no touchdowns. C.D. Lamb, two catches, 29 yards, no touchdowns. But your leading receiver was Noah Brown, five catches, 68 yards, no touchdowns. You know, so this is a receiving core that from a year ago was like, yo, look at this. This is like a fantasy. This is like a video game with some of the rules turned off to a bunch of guys that are like, okay, you've heard of Schultz and C.D. Lamb, but outside that, it's like, who? You yeah. know, so it's, it's going to be rough for Dallas until Dak can come back. It'll be yeah, very. You, ex- you expect uh, Dak to be able to at least elevate those guys a little bit. Uh, again, he's not Tom Brady. He's not going to make him into Hall of, borderline Hall of Famers, but you could kind of get away with that kind of receiving core if Dak's 100% healthy and firing all cylinders. <sighs> this backup guy in there? <laughs> Jesus. This is this is not going to be pretty. That's why I like the one meme that was a fake tweet from Jerry Jones uh, that said, you know, if you're in the Dallas area and you have a, a Cowboys jersey, report to the stadium by 9 a.m. You know what? Not a bad idea at this stage because Dallas, I'm sorry, your season is done. Because if you try rushing Dak back too soon, you're only going to make more damage. He's not going to be 100. percent I I heard they were trying to say he'll be back by week five. Good luck with that. Yeah. And. I think at that stage you could be 0-4 and, and then just you know wrap it up for the season, to be honest with you, because you're not going to be able to make a run. I mean, you are in the NFC least, let's be honest, so there is a chance, but Philly didn't look the worst. The Giants might you know be over 500, and then, well, the Commanders, bum, 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 are who they are, so that is, you know, at least you're going to wind up in third. So there's, there's a little bit of a bright side, but I think just overall Dallas is going to struggle in Tampa Bay. I mean, Tom Brady, I don't know how he's doing this. Uh, I at 45 and he's still looking like he's playing in his thirties. Yeah. It's, it's an absolutely insanity to me. 
And, and then, then one more game. One more game. That was the Monday night game. Uh, Seattle Seahawks took on the, the Denver Broncos in Seattle. So Dev, Russell Wilson didn't have wait long to wait to return home, quote-unquote, to, uh, to Seattle. Boy, that reception. Oh, shit. Uh, man got booed. Uh, I think they're mad, Pat. Yeah, I was say, tell us how you really feel, Seattle. Uh, Seattle ended up winning, though, by the final score of 17-16. to 16. Uh, Geno Smith, 195 yards passing, two touchdowns. Russell Wilson, 340 yards passing, one touchdown. Uh, hell of a game from Gino. Gotta say that. Did not see that coming. Uh, and thank you, DK Metcalf, for not getting me negative fantasy points and allowing me to win my fantasy matchup by, like, three points. <laughs> Joey, your thoughts? My thoughts are that I, I don't think Denver was ready for what they walked into. They, no. they Seattle was just hyped to the gills for this game. They were This was the game they circled on their schedule. This was their Super Bowl. We're going, it doesn't matter what happens the rest of the year. We're going to stick it to uh, Russell Wilson. And you combine that with some poor coaching on the Denver side, and suddenly, all of a sudden, the much-vaunted Denver Broncos are 0-1 with a surprising loss. I, I don't know what that kick was at the end of the game. Yeah, their coach has already came out and, and said that, yeah, they should have gone for it. Huh. Hey, listen, Broncos. Which is, which is bad. That's, yeah. that's even almost worse than what happened. Mm-hmm. You know what? You you might see like the Pats might do something stupid like that. Belichick would never come out and say, "Yeah, I'm, I did the wrong thing" or "We made the wrong call." He would just say something like, "We did what we had to do to try to win the game in that that position," <laughs> and then he would look like bored and stare straight ahead and no not answer any more questions. Yep. <laughs> For this guy to come out and be like, "Yeah, you know what? I made the wrong call. We're stupid. Sorry." It I, it it feels weird and feels like. This guy could be on the verge of losing the team. Yeah. yeah. And, and they have a tough division. Like, yeah. Just just throwing Russell Wilson in there and being like, all right, well, we'll see what happens. I, I don't know, man. They just didn't look ready for prime time. They didn't look ready for what they were walking into. And my God, they just Seattle was just playing out of their minds. I, I wouldn't be if Seattle went one in 15, one in 16 the rest of the year. I don't think they would care two bits. At this point, I think they got what they wanted out of the season at this point. But uh, good for Geno Smith. Good for those guys getting a win. Geno's had a tough career. Though Nobody deserves to be drafted as a Jet. But <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. I mean, hey, Broncos country, left wide. You know. Oh, God. Yeah. No, I mean, I understand what the kick, at least on paper. It's McManus. He, I think he had the record longest kick in the NFL until Justin Tucker beat it. You know, but that was also in Denver when he did this, and this is Seattle. A little bit of a height difference in terms of elevation between Denver and Seattle. You know, you got a however many hundred million dollar man there. You got to give it to Russ, and you got to you know chuck up and chuck the ball up and and throw it down there someplace. You know, or, or try to come up with a better game plan just because that that made no sense at the end. No, absolutely not. I think it was just a bad look overall, and the fact that he said now in at post game, yeah, I probably should have gone for it. That is not a good look, especially for a new coach with a brand new team. And you also have a $100 million quarterback that could win you that game because he's that good that he could at least get you five yards and keep a play going. It's just it's puzzling to see this happen. But for Denver, they got to right the ship. And for Seattle, I mean, this was their Super Bowl, so they can go celebrate for a week because it's going to get very, very long from here on out. Mm-hmm. So that being said, we're going to sneak out another quick break here on the ODPH, but hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your takeaways from week one of the NFL? Let's talk about it. How's your team doing? Is it already season done, or are you guys already talking Super Bowl? Let's have that discussion. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Are you tired of watching the same old awesome movies? Are B-movies more your style? 
then the folks over at They Called This A Movie have you covered. Join us every Thursday as we review the worst of the worst in sci-fi, action, comedy, and more. We are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Podbean at theycalledthisamovie.podbean.com. They Called This A Movie, testing the strength of friendships, one terrible movie at a time. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast with Joey DiCarlo from the So Wizard Podcast on the line. Let's do it. So, Pad, there was something else going on outside of football this week. I know it sounds crazy, but there was. Uh-huh. And definitely had its own fair share of drama. Yeah, say so there was a backstage fight. Uh, there was a bit of press conference drama, you know, which spilled out into how things are booked for the card itself. And, uh, and we're not talking AEW. I was going to say, you think I'm talking AEW? No, we're talking UFC. Yes, UFC 279 had its fair share of drama that just absolute insanity. Now, Joey, I know you follow combat sports. Have you ever heard of a case where a main event guy did not show up for weight and just completely blew it by eight pounds, literally looked at the crowd and went, oh, my bad. I, I haven't, and I'm sure there's there's been times in the past. Uh, boxing has a much long and sordid history <laughs> of <laughs> Of many terrible, awful things, it, but this is a first for me in, in MMA. It, it, it was just so awful, and it's—I know it's, he's trying to like play it off as cool, like oh, I didn't care, blah 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 blah. But man, it just—it's a slap in the face to all the fans and everybody, that, everybody on the undercard, everybody that put, everybody that works behind the scenes, everybody that puts in the work to make this whole event happen. You have your one job, and you couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. It's it's not a cool gotcha or a haha moment. It, it's more like sad. It's more sad for everybody behind the scenes on the undercard, your opponent, everybody else. You're you don't look him off looking good in this situation at all. I don't know how they ever give him another fight. Yeah, I'm with you on that because and Pad, you can back me up on this. We mm-hmm. had the press conference, obviously right after weigh-ins. And all hell breaks loose. Well, so, yeah, there there are two weigh-ins. There are the official weigh-ins they do in the morning, you know, on, like, a Friday, I think it is. But then they have they were supposed to have a press conference, like, the day before the weigh-ins mm. that you had. All the fighters were back there. And I think, from what I heard Dana say on, I think it was, like, an Instagram Live or something, a couple, like, say, like later that day, next day, whatever, they were going to bring them out two by two, you know, have the fighters there and, and do whatever. But... An absolute melee broke down between Diaz, uh, Kevin Holland, Chimeev, and I, I. Somebody else was involved in this. Like there were four guys involved with this. That Dana White came out, and I had no idea any of this was going on. I, I hopped on social media and just saw the video of Dana White canceling the press conference and saying, you know, this is totally unprecedented. You know, we've never had to do this you know, in my entire tenure with this company. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And then some of the details started coming out that punches were thrown, kicks were thrown. And yes, because there was a Diaz involved, bottles were thrown, you know, water bottles were thrown as well. You know, so that that was just kind of like a prelude to, I guess, the grander act that took place during weigh-ins. Yeah, with Chemayev walking in and obviously set to face Nate Diaz in the main event. And he misses weight by seven and a half pounds Mm -hmm. and just kind of shrugs his shoulder and is like, oh, uh, it happens. Yeah. Just like, and completely, like, everybody's like, are you kidding me? So the UFC had to completely rearrange the main card. Yeah, they had to flop three fights around. Yeah, so we're going to break down two of them because they were the co-main and the main. 
but there really isn't a lot to write home about either one, to be honest with you. No, and this and this card might have set a record because looking at the Wikipedia page, there was one, two, three, four, five, six fights on this card that were catch weight bouts. Mm-hmm. So this might this might be a record. But the uh, co-main event of the evening uh, was a catch weight fight at 180 pounds, where you had Hamza Chimeev defeat Kevin Holland uh, via submission at two minutes and 13 seconds in the first round with the often used. Uh, Darce choke. Are you a fan of Chimaev, Joey? Uh, I'll be honest with you. I don't even know who that is. So to kind of clarify, no, to be honest with you, because he is kind of an anomaly in the UFC because he's been undefeated since he's been here. He's ran through every opponent with the exception of one within the first round, let alone the first two minutes. So he's been absolutely tearing through the welterweight division. And he has been known to do a Donald Cowboy Cerrone where he, at one stretch during 2021, took three fights in six weeks. 2020. Uh, he fought. Old school. Yeah, yeah. So he fought a gentleman by the name of John Phillips, uh, who, which I just for those of you keeping track at home, I'm looking at his mixed martial arts record professional on his Wikipedia page. 12 wins, no losses. I'm looking at his amateur record. Three wins, no losses. I'm looking at his freestyle wrestling record. 24 wins, no losses. This dude has not lost at anything. Uh, so getting to his stretch he had, he fought on July 16th, 2020, where he beat John Phillips with a Darce choke. Then he fought on July 16th against Reese McKee, who he knocked out. And then he fought on September the 19th, 2020, against uh, Gerald uh, Mearschert, uh, who he knocked out there. So, yeah, he had three fights in like a four-month period. Two, yeah. of, two of which were in nine days. Yeah, yeah, two in nine days. Like it was some kind of crazy stretch. But he was, and he's like uh, Cerrone though. He keeps screaming at Dana like I'll fight whoever. Like he's showing up at fights at, at weight. Well, the exception of this one, ironically, which is like, <laughs> that's a whole different story. And then he finally is now working his way up. Uh, he had to, he defeated Gilbert Burns, who was one of the top five contenders in the welterweight division. If he got past Nate Diaz, he was getting a title shot. And then this happens. He faces Kevin Holland, who's kind of on that uh, lower end of the top 10, and absolutely mauls him. So now the question is, he misses this much weight, do you think he deserves a title shot? I, I, he probably should move up. If he keeps having trouble having, if he's having trouble making weight, then he needs to move up a division. I, I don't know. It it's, it's becomes one of those things where you think, and this happens all the time in boxing, where mm-hmm. it's the actual fairness of the sport versus money. <laughs> Yeah. Versus selling a card. Uh, you know, this guy is now a villain who we can sell in a title match against somebody. And and he's got the record to do it. He he should be getting a title shot, but you got to be honest with yourself. Can he make the weight? So we can't do this again. We can't have the week of the card, days before the card goes, rearrange everything again. He can't do it with this guy. So he's either got to move up and wait or really commit himself to making the weight. Otherwise, I, I just I don't know how they can do it. But then on the other hand, money wise, like, how do they not do it? How do they not give this guy a title shot? I mean, the record speaks for itself. Like we said, you know, he's 12 and 0 in his professional UF, his, his professional career, you know, and in, in his entire professional career, he out of 12 fights, he's had one, uh, one of them go the full distance. And that was his fight against Gilbert Burns, mm-hmm. which went, you know, the three five minute rounds, you know. So outside of that, he's had early finishes, you know, for everything. You know, so you look at the record and you look at the when they when he won and all this and you go, yeah, this guy deserves a title opportunity. But I'm sorry when you come in seven or what was it? Six, seven and a half, seven and a half pounds overweight. 
you you get knocked down a peg. You know, you where you should have been the front of the line, you're still you're holding your place in line, if not moving back a place. Because I'm sorry, when you just shrug your shoulders and go, eh, is what it is. There were reports that he was seen at, at restaurants in the Vegas area the night before the fight, just absolutely gorging himself. According to reports, I I didn't see this personally, but I read a number of reports online that he was seen in Vegas gorging himself the night before. I'm sorry, you can't trust the guy. And and when you screw up a card this bad, now it's one thing if like you miss weight, okay, it's a catch weight fighter, or you know the other guy can win the belt, but you can't win the belt, and you okay, that's one thing, that's a whole headache. But you screwed up a card so bad that Dana had to practically pull his hair out. LOL, it doesn't exist. <laughs> you know, but Dana had to pull his proverbial hair out and rearrange three fights entirely. I'm sorry, you don't deserve a title opportunity. You got to win a couple of more in my eyes. Well, the real question is, this is the first time I think he's had a weight issue that he's missed. So you can kind of say, all right, it happens. I'll be it, though. I don't understand this. Because the only other time I've remembered this happen is with Rumble Johnson blowing weight. It's his first time in the UFC. His very first professional fight, which was for a, a, a international ring fight, Arena 14, on May 2018. It was a catchweight bout. Now, whether that was he missed weight or his opponent missed weight. Sure. Don't know. I don't have that information in front of me, but of his record that I'm looking at, this is the second instance where it's a, it was a catchweight fight. All right. So if it's not too bad, I mean, they they can kind of give him the that benefit of the doubt. But then again, at the same time, how he handled himself after he missed weight, I think that's the biggest issue because you've insulted every other fighter that was on that card. You had to completely rearrange the card within 24 hours. Within yeah, 12. Yeah, with with how, 12 hours. Yeah. 12 hours, just how fast they turned it around. Yeah, like it was just less than a day. And it was just like just how much time was moving between the incident backstage to then. It's like it all blurs together. But it's absolutely insane about this where you have him now in, uh, basically lined up for a title shot because he ran through Holland, who is still a top 10 opponent. Or, but at the same time, like he's still not a, a top name. No. Like he's a top name opponent, but you, you can you really justify it now. I don't think you can. I think you put him against somebody in that number one contendership match and let him go. I fear, though, the UFC is going to give him that title shot because, love it or hate it, he's a buzzworthy fighter. They need a contender up there. I don't know if they're going to give him Leon Edwards because I think you got to do the immediate rematch with Kamaru Usman since he just lost the belt. Or do you do something absolutely crazy, like Joey was saying, move him up to 185 and let him fight Adesanya because Adesanya doesn't have any contenders right now. This is kind of where it's going to get real messy for the UFC, but for Dana, he's got to sell a card. You have a, a, now a guy who's absolutely ticking off the MMA community with how he handled himself. I'm sure he could bounce back, but this is a situation you have that's, yeah. that doesn't have a really good answer. And then you go to the main event now. Yeah, which was supposed to be Chimea versus Nate Diaz, but because of all the antics that ensued, uh, Tony Ferguson stepped in uh, to fight uh, Nate Diaz, where you had uh, Nate Diaz emerge victorious, uh, beating Tony Ferguson with a guillotine choke submission at 2 minutes and 52 seconds of the fourth round. Joe, are you a big Nate Diaz fan? Uh, I hate to say it, but I am. I do, I do like him a lot. He's an asshole, and I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> And he somewhat has the skill to back it up. Uh, he's he's always going to give it everything in the ring. He's going to leave it all on the on the mat. So you just know when whenever he's in the ring, he's leaving it all out there. And whether he wins, whether he loses, he gave everything he had. Much different than the, the other guy who couldn't be bothered to make weight. Uh, he probably would have lost to that guy, let's be real. But instead, he got to have a win in his last uh, UFC fight. So good for him. Or Tony Ferguson. 
unfortunately. You know, he did yeah. the right thing and stepped in. So yeah. he'll probably get another paycheck somewhere else down the line. But yeah. he tried his best. He's just old. Father time is undefeated. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I love Nate Diaz. You know, somebody actually asked me uh, the day after the fight or a couple days after the fight, like, well, what's the big deal? Why is everyone love Nate Diaz? And I'm like, listen, he keeps it real. He is a god man of the streets. He does not have this self, you know, self made face or self made, you know, uh, persona he puts on the person you see in the ring, you know, given interviews or behind a table at a press conference is the same guy you'll meet on the street. You know, this, you know, you see that a lot of times with some athletes where like the guy you meet in the, in the press room is not the guy you meet on the street, you know, but Diaz, not the case, you know, and, and I like that about him in a, in a business where unlike pro wrestling, you, you have to go into business for yourself. You have to sell yourself a little bit to stand out from the crowd and stand out from the other guys and girls in your division. You know, he was never afraid to do that, and he always did it in entertaining ways. You know, so for his last fight, you know, it was great to see him fight Tony Ferguson. You know, admittedly, it was kind of like, eh, this should have happened five years ago, but it was still cool to see. It was cool to see. I think the problem is, obviously, Tony's taken a lot of wear and tear over the past few fights. Like, he's not the same Tony Ferguson that was supposed to fight Habib for eons <laughs> more times than we care to count right and I, i'm with you guys i actually really enjoy the diaz brothers because they are who they are there's no fake gimmick about them no i mean they're absolutely crazy you've seen nate say some wild things at a press conference he yeah. was sitting there smoking a joint while the athletic commission was there investigating <laughs> or usada came in on him and did not even care like he is just who he is but he's also been somebody that stands up for the fighters too and i know he's been very critical about pay and in fact, I know I was hearing about one story, and I was trying to get confirmation before we came on the air, but that he was willing to re-sign with the UFC if Dana had given his camp. There's 10 fighters at uh, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu that he trains with. Mm-hmm. If he gave them all UFC contracts, not the, not, um, not the Ultimate Fighter, uh, the Contender Series. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not those contracts. Like, bona fide UFC contracts, he would have came back. And he would have sacrificed his own time so his friends got paid. Yeah, like that's the kind of guy he is. So I mean, I can rally around that, and obviously winning on a big note. We never got the Connor trilogy fight, but now it appears he says he will come back to the UFC, but he's going somewhere else first. And Joey, that appears to be the land of boxing. How are you feeling about this? <laughs> oh my God! Um, yeah, apparently, if he's going to fight the winner of uh, Anderson Silva, Jake Paul. That'll be a great. Allegedly. Yeah, that's going to be something. Yeah. Which sadly will be Jake Paul. Um, yeah. And, and and not sadly. You know what I mean? Like, I, I appreciate it's, it's a weird gatekeeper thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know that this is trash, right? Mm-hmm. But if out of the 500,000 people that watch it, 20,000 people are like, well, I like boxing. Let me look at it. Let me let me get into it. Let me learn more about it. That's great. That's great. That's what we want. You got to build the sport. You have to build the sport. And boxing's a dying sport, and it has been for oh, I don't know. We've been pronouncing it dead since the mid '90s, but that's we, fair we need though. All the eyes on it. We need all the eyes on it that we can. And and as much as people don't like Jake Paul, he's been an advocate for fighter pay in both boxing and in UFC. So it's really hard to hate on the guy. Yeah. He's an amateur. He's an amateur. Yeah, he, he it, walked in off the street. He's been doing this for three years. He's fought some older, washed-up UFC guys. We'll see how it goes. Uh, it will be an interesting fight, and in, if it happens in an interesting buildup, but I don't know. I, that would be probably the closest thing to a live dog 
he's fought at this point that I, I would I almost am like, okay, well this person might have a chance. We've never seen Nate Diaz like straight out boxing. Mm-hmm. And I think that is what causes the issues for these guys because they're so used to guarding for a takedown that they're not used to just keeping their hands up all the time and then that gives them an a disadvantage against someone who just trains boxing. But man, it'd be nice to see him beat the crap out of Jake Paul too. <laughs> yeah, that'll be that's gonna be amazing. Like I I might actually have to go chip in and, and get right. in for that fight. Yeah, I mean if if Nate does end up fighting, you know, Jake Paul, it won't be the best technical fight you've ever seen in your life, but this but the glamour and the spectacle of it will be the likes of which you haven't ever seen. I mean, let's not forget what his brother Nick did in the octagon against one of the greatest of all time who's fighting Jake Paul here in a couple of weeks. Anderson, where he laid down in the middle of the octagon, wouldn't put it past Nate to do something similar. Oh, Nate's going to make a show out of this. Oh, he absolutely is. Because he's going to have his payday, win, lose, or draw. It's not going to matter. Like, oh, whatever, I'm getting my payday. I'm going to do whatever I want. Picture this, if you will. You imagine that first press conference in Vegas where Nate and Nick meet Logan and Jake. Oh, Jesus. Let that sink in. Oh, Jesus. I mean, that is a fight that that just that sells itself because you're going to give them a live microphone <laughs> and Lord knows what's going to come out of anybody's mouth. Yeah. But like where Joey was saying, boxing does need a shot in the arm of something to really give it some adrenaline. And the sport has had its great fair share of heavyweights right now with Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. But after that, I mean, there's a, a real big drop-off. I mean, Canelo and Triple G, obviously we'll talk about that a little later. That's something else that can, can you know, capture some fans. But for where boxing needs to break through and really come back to life, I mean, Joey, I don't know how you feel about this. I think that this fight can definitely do that. And I think that as much as they want to say it's, it's a celebrity show, it's something that boxing can definitely use moving forward. Oh, yeah. And just like you guys said, a press conference with these four guys, it's money. It's money. It prints money. It's, it's going to print money. Between people that don't like Nate Diaz, the people that don't like the Paul brothers, and the people that want to see them beat the crap out of each other. So the, that That's the whole shtick for him so far has been to be the heel. Everybody's cheering for somebody to knock him out, and that no one's done it yet. Yeah. <laughs> no one has taken down uh, Jake Paul, but uh, that's what he sells it as. You want to see him get beat up, and... Mayweather did that for most of his later career when he was a big superstar. A lot of people aren't money Mayweather fans. I was. I appreciate the skill of boxing. So uh, I, I was a big fan of his, but a lot of people just wanted to see him lose. Mm -hmm. And they were paying money to watch the chance to see him lose. And, and there's a lot of money in that. And that's old school wrestling. <laughs> yeah, you facts. the heel and you get people to pay to see you lose maybe. But it would be a good shot in the arm. It would be. It would be nice, a nice gateway drug for people. Uh it, it just boxing is just a tough sport to get into it, it is there's no like central you can't just sit down and watch the nfl you know you, you see random football game is always on you know it, you gotta track the stuff down some of it's in weird languages and other yeah. <laughs> shit that you don't even know what it is i mean i've i remember watching god it's going back a few years but like roy jones jr fought in like latvia oh my god i remember that and I watched it on pay-per-view, and, like, before the main event, they had some weird, like, metal band, hair metal band played. Yeah. It made no sense. I didn't even know what was happening, but I'm like, I'm fucking watching this. I don't care. Because that's just kind of boxing head I am, but... No, but it was, it was just... Normal people are not going to do that. Oh, right, right. No, but I remember that. Yeah, it was, it was somewhere, and it was, like, it was like 3 o'clock in the morning or something. They had, like, a concert on before the main event. It was, like, yeah, it was just, it was a spectacle, to say the least. Yeah. It was strange. Oh yeah, God, yeah. It was it was definitely not something normal that you would see 
I don't even know anywhere. Like the fact that it was on there and there's like some bootleg channel you had to go find on to go watch it. Like it was just absolutely insane. I mean, I'm with you about the Mayweather. I always respected him. I the only thing I will always kind of criticize him is I thought he should have fought Pacquiao years earlier than he did. Because when that fight happened, Pacquiao was already on the back end. I am of the mind that he beats Pacquiao anytime they fight. <laughs> oh, more than I likely. Think, I think it's a much closer fight and a much better fight if it's earlier, three years earlier, like they wanted. But I just, man, he handled him like a, a dude fighting a baby. Like, it, it, it just wasn't going to happen. <laughs> yeah. He, he just did not have the style to do it. I mean, he's allegedly, allegedly, I guess you could say, arguably the, the greatest defensive fighter probably this generation, if not modern era. I'll say and that. It, the big thing with, it, with him was fight IQ. So it wasn't just that he was the top-of-the-line skills. It's that he's downloading what you're doing. Mm-hmm. By the third or fourth round, he's he's already on plan C. Yeah. What, what he's going to do. And, and you can see it when he fought Zab Judah if you want to go watch something on God, I could talk boxing forever. I'm sorry, but if you go no, that's cool. His fight with Zab Judah on YouTube, Judah won the first four rounds, and he he was he was landing shots on Floyd, and he had him frustrated. He, Floyd made adjustments. Judah never did. There's the fight's over. <laughs> he swept all the rest of the rounds. Unanimous decision. So, and and just that was that was the thing. There's there's a lot of times people put up these mythical historical fights, and that's always the deciding factor to me. It's like how is this guy going to overcome Floyd's ring IQ? And, and most people just couldn't. So as much as I love Pacquiao, I just don't think he would have won any time they fought. Yeah, see, it's one of those situations, like, it could have gone either way. I just, I would love to have seen it then in the prime. Like, that's the thing, because Pacquiao was not the same Pacquiao when they finally did it. So it's always kind of the question of what if, I mean, but Floyd was always so defensive. I mean, that's the one thing that, that that's when he faced Connor. Nobody realized, like, oh, Floyd's going to win. Everybody's like, no, nah, Connor will get him. Like, Connor has to get a lucky punch within the fourth round because, Otherwise, Pacquiao just, or I mean, Mayweather just take him in the deep waters and he's going to gas out. And sure enough, that's exactly what he did. Yeah, I told anybody that would listen, if anybody that you know thinks that Conor McGregor is going to win this fight, take all of their money. Take all mm-hmm. of it. <laughs> I, would, I would feel comfortable betting my children's lives on that fight. That's how confident I was that he was not going to be losing to Conor McGregor. That was not happening, but... Yeah, he, he was just one of the best uh, best defensive fighters you'll ever see. And, and we'll talk about Canelo in a little bit, but if you ever want to watch him put out a master class, another YouTube video, fire up, just watch his fight with Canelo. Yeah. And, and he's just unbelievable. Defensive skills, pull counters. Canelo was just completely out of his element the whole fight. Just a great fight. Great fight plan. Amazing skills on display. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we might not get that with Nate Diaz and uh, Jake Paul, but it will be fun to see if that's going to be what the case is with them when they finally lock up because obviously he's got to get through Anderson Silver first. I think that'll be an easy one. But this is all coming out of the ramifications of UFC 279. So hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about the Chimaev deal? What is your thoughts about Nate Diaz now that he's leaving the UFC for now? He said he would come back at some point. And what do you think his chances are against Jake Paul? Let's have that discussion, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideroom Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go where no one knows my name To the desert, the oceans, or the plains 
Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast with special guest host Joey DiCarlo from the So Wizard Podcast on the line. What, what? So, Pad, let's start off with that local minute. Uh, looking at the Binghamton Rumble Ponies, uh, they're in going into their final uh, series of the season. Uh, not going to make the playoffs, obviously, no, uh, but still got to get out and support those Binghamton Rumble Ponies. Looking at their schedule this week, they're playing the Hartford Yard Goats. Uh, they've got a game this coming Tuesday, 6.35 p.m. Eastern, uh, where it is Rumble in the Kitchen Night. Now, I just had to sit myself and go, what the hell is Rumble in the Kitchen Night? It's minor league baseball, so this could be anything. Uh, reading from the promotions page on their website, it says, stop down to the ballpark for the third annual Rumble in the Kitchen game presented by Cisco. A handful of select community restaurants will compete in a chopped-style cooking competition throughout the game, and you get to be the judge. Purchase your special tasting ticket at the Visions Federal Credit Union Starting Gate box office today. So that actually sounds kind of cool. I do, I do like that idea. I mean, Joey, are, do you guys have minor league baseball up where you're around? Not right where we are. There's Hartford Yard Goats, and then Worcester has the uh, Woo Sox. So okay. It's a slight drive, but it's not out of the realm of possibility to go check it out. Gotcha. Yeah, our our local team is wrapping up here. We usually try getting down to the games and just my league baseball always kind of throws me off with their crazy promotions, but it's it's just something with them that they just come up with the craziest stuff. Oh yeah. Uh they got a game, they got a double header on Wednesday, uh one of which is a makeup from the end of July. Uh first game starts at 5:05 p.m. Eastern. Uh that day we should note it is free parking uh down at the stadium. Hey. Yeah. Uh Thursday the 15th is at uh 6:35 p.m. Eastern. That is Irish Heritage night so they're gonna have uh music and jerseys and everything else going on for that uh friday the 16th is at 7:05 p.m eastern that is fan appreciation weekend 17 on the 17th is also at 6:35 p.m eastern that is replica stadium giveaway uh they will be giving away a replica of the uh stadium down there for fans uh and then sunday final game of the year 105 p.m eastern also fan appreciation weekend for more tickets information and all that good stuff bingrp.com so let's go into the one-shot segment of the show. Joey, why don't you kick us off? All right. Uh, coming up this weekend, Saturday, September 17th, live from Las Vegas, Nevada, it's Canelo Alvarez versus Gennady Golovkin 3, live on pay-per-view. Big boxing match, probably the biggest one of the year. I'm excited. I'm pumped. I am a huge uh, Golovkin rump swab so i'll be chewing cheering for him i i don't know if he can pull it off uh canelo is the golden boy not he's not oscar de la hoya but he's yeah. the, the golden boy of boxing right now um and he's always going to get his canelo scoring so i i feel like golovkin won the first fight i had it 116 112 for triple g uh the judges did not agree i am with you i i've had triple g winning both of these fights the second one was closer and i can be okay after watching it and i've watched both of these fights multiple times i can be okay watching that one and saying a draw or a very razor thin triple g win i can't give either of these fights to canelo but he's the big draw he's the money draw in boxing and i mean you saw when he fought bivol maybe you guys didn't but when he fought bivol in his last fight bivol beat him from pillar to post he yeah he did 10 rounds out of 12 like there's inarguably he won 10 rounds there's no way you can sit and watch that fight and say canelo won more than two rounds and there were still 115, 113 cards. So, like, like, you really need to put it on him or have him leave on a stretcher to win this fight. And unfortunately, I don't think Triple G has that left in him. I, I almost feel like he's cashing out. 
I mean, he's mad. I know he's not happy about everything, but he deserved that first fight. Arguably deserved the second. I'll be happier than a pig in shit if he can knock out Canelo and, and take his, his deserved victory. But at the very least, both these guys bring it. And they both come to fight. This is definitely worth watching. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I, I remember the first one. I was so fired up. It ended in a draw. Like uh, that, That's another EJ Manuel moment that I'm glad I didn't have a camera on me. Pad was here watching. <laughs> yeah. I lost it, my it, mind. The, the reason it, it was a draw was because one of the judges had it 118-111 Canelo, which is so bad a card you could give a blind person scoring on the fight and they'd have a better card. Oh, absolutely. Like it was such a joke. And like you talk about the last fight. I mean, I know Canelo gets a lot of stuff called his way. And it's it's crazy to me. I mean, it is that's my opinion, folks. So if you want at ODPH podcast on Twitter, we can debate about this anytime you want. I just think it's like he you're right. Triple G's got to completely knock him out. Like Cole Cockham, like he can't move after to win this one. Because I think that, if, that even if Triple G gets like a few knockdowns, they're not going to give him the fight no matter what. And I hate saying that. Yeah. And that is part of the reason we just talked earlier about, you know, boxing always struggles. But that's part of the shitty part of being a boxing fan is the judging. The wrong person wins. It's, it's like watching, for example, not to pull up a bad memory for you but you know scott norwood shanks that field goal but then the bills still celebrate winning the super bowl yeah <laughs> like you just watched it you watched the other person lose like you want you know what you saw but the referee and the whole machinations of everything is telling you they didn't win or let's say you know last year the rams get to the super bowl and then they decide you know what we're just gonna play the jaguars instead yeah <laughs> and you're just like what is happening here the things that happen in boxing would never happen in real other sports, but when it's on, it's glorious. I always <laughs> describe it to people as it's like walking down a hallway filled with doors. Seven out of ten of them, when you open them, are going to have a pile of dog shit behind them. But when you open the door and it's good, oh, man, is it? it's the best thing in sports. That's a great analogy. I love that. No, But you're exactly right, because when it's good, it's great. I mean, it's the sweet science for a reason. And just, unfortunately... You don't get a lot of those marquee matchups when it's good. Like you'll get a lot of stuff that you're just like, really, and then you just kind of go from there with it. But I, I'm with you about this. I think Canelo Triple G is going to be good. And I'm fingers crossed Triple G pulls this off somehow, some way. <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen, but I'm, I'm still keeping optimistic for it. That's why they lace up the gloves. Yeah, you never know what could happen. Uh, I'm going to talk a little college football because while I'm not the biggest Alabama Crimson Tide fan or a You're te- not? no <laughs> or a Texas Longhorns fan, I did tune into this game. Maybe I got sold up a little bit on it, you know, with ESPN College Game Day being there and the crowd and the atmosphere. But I decided, you know what, I got some time to kill. I'm going to watch this game. Turned out to be a hell of a game. Uh, the Alabama Crimson Tide, number one team in the country, ended up winning by the final score of 20 to 19. Although I will say. In my unofficial opinion, Alabama, I'd be a little concerned if I were you because y'all should have lost this game. Uh, You had the Texas Longhorns, you know, basically holding things a lot closer than I thought they would for a lot of the game, although some of that does fall on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Uh, 15 penalties for 100 yards, and that's accepted penalties. Jesus. That's not even declined penalties, which is so uncommon for a Nick Saban coach team. Uh, but you did have the Texas Longhorns, you know, they were down 17-16 late in the fourth quarter. Go down, get a field goal, we go up 19-17, uh, to 17, you know. And But 
They left too much time on the clock, you know, minute 29 or whatever it was, and the defense just fell apart, couldn't stop Alabama. Alabama marched down the field, got the game-winning field goal right as time expired. You know, I know there there were some obviously some questionable calls from the officiating, but, hey, it's, it's like officiating in UFC or any other sport. Don't leave it in the judges' hands. Win it definitively. You know, so obviously, you know, win for Alabama, you know, be a little concerned if I were a Crimson Tide fan, given how close that was. I don't think it should have been that close. That being said, though, their game they got the up this upcoming week, uh, which is against uh, the University of uh, Louisiana Monroe. Uh, they're currently favored by 49 points. So I think they'll be I, I think they'll be fine this week. Uh, but some of those games down the road, you know, I'm looking at their schedule, you know, where they got like an Arkansas, te- Texas A&M. You know, LSU, you know, Auburn, obviously, at the end of the end of this regular season. I'd be a little concerned. I'd be a little concerned, too. But uh, Notre Dame still lost, though, correct? Yes, they did, to um, Unranked Marshall. Yes. We, we have to – we are contractually obliged that we have to plug in Notre Dame football because of Coach Duffy. So, yes, we do. So, yeah, even when they lose they to do. an unranked team. Yeah, named Marshall. Named Marshall. Yep. We have to mention it, so. That's pretty much our extent of uh, college football when Coach Duffy's not here. Listen, it, it was not a, it was not a good day for Matthew McConaughey. Marshall lost, <laughs> Texas lost. He's in shambles. It ain't all right, all right, all right. No, it's not. So that said, Joey, are you following a lot of what's going on with CM Punk and AEW? I have been following it, and it's very disappointing because I want to say maybe up until two weeks ago, CM Punk was my favorite wrestler of all time, and it's harder and harder to be a big fan because he seems like a big, giant jerk. Yeah, that whole mess is just getting uh, more crazy, but everybody's been sent home and vacated of their titles. So this week they're having their next step to the Grand Slam tournament on TBS Wednesday night, 8 p.m. for an all-new AEW Dynamite hailing from Albany, New York, which Rich from 3FN and Crazy Curtis are going to be in attendance for. Hey. So that should be some pretty interesting stuff. So you definitely want to make sure you're following 3FN social media for some live reactions right from the show. And they actually have a pretty solid card. They've only announced a few matches so far. John Moxley versus Sammy Guevara. Chris Jericho versus Brian Danielson. So the winners of those two matches face each other at Arthur Ashe Stadium next week. And in the women's division, Tony Storm... And Hikaru Shida is taking on Britt Baker and Serena Deeb. So more stuff going on with AEW. That whole mess, though, I got to say, at least AEW is doing the right thing. They're not talking about it. They're focusing more on the matches. I think they're doing the right things there. But that whole CM Punk mess is just going to get worse before it gets better. So It's just so disappointing. Uh, I, I, I don't even know what to say at that point. It's just so sad that this is how it's probably going to end for him in AEW. <laughs> I was so excited when he debuted. And, man, it's, it's ending with a wet fart. Yeah, to put it mildly, like it's just, and the, the crazy thing is, until like everybody can really speak about what happened and with the real fight backstage, the rumors running around about it are just absolutely insane, too. Justice for Larry the dog. Yeah, like the CM Punk's dog is now like rumored to have been in some people's minds the catalyst for everything happening, too. Like that's how crazy it's gotten. Well, I mean, that's the one thing you you see oftentimes with a lack of information, especially from like one of these sporting organizations, you know, NFL, NBA, MLB, like whatever, even pro wrestling, that like when something happens backstage or in the locker room and like, obviously they want to keep it in house and they don't want to let it get out. They're like, there's just that natural intrigue fans want to know with what's going on. And, and it is sad to see just because, you know, CM Punk, one of the most revered, beloved pro wrestlers you've ever seen. You know, that when he left, you know, there were the detractors and there were the stuff that was said negatively about him. But, like, you kind of look at that going, all right, you know, 
time and place and what's going on, probably saying th- some of you might be saying something they didn't mean or something they didn't really feel. But then you hear more stories and it kind of starts to back up what they were saying and you go, well, maybe there was something to that. Yeah, like it, then you see you saw him debut and you're like, oh man, this is gonna be awesome. We're gonna stick it to WWE. He's gonna show you how it's done and what he was meant to do as a champion and a guy in the AEW. And then I don't know he has some kind of bleh storylines and more and more rumors come out that he's kind of a jackass and doesn't really seem to be putting anyone over. Mm-hmm. That really helps. Like, is Darby Allen really in a better place than he was before? No. no. Does he ever go to any place other than to hang out with Sting? The poor guy. Uh, but <laughs> nothing ever, nothing really seemed to pay off after all that years of buildup. And I don't know if it ever could have, but my God, like, I don't know what I was expecting from AEW CM Punk, but it certainly wasn't this. No, definitely not. Like, it's, like I said, and just like I said, the amount of rumors and just to speculate, like, the allegedly the dog was the reason why, and allegedly somebody was wouldn't open the door, so they had to kick it in. Like you're just like the, the insanity going on with this is just gonna be absolutely crazy when they eventually do the dark side of the ring about this, because you know <laughs> you know that episode is coming at some point. Somebody's yeah. gonna do that, yeah. and I tell you what, we will be talking about that in the show when it does. In the meantime, though, we got EW Dynamite this week on TBS, so definitely want to go check that out live 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So, Joey, before we say goodbye, first and foremost, thank you for coming on the show. Why don't you tell our listening audience where they can find you if they haven't already written it down already? <laughs> well, thank you guys for having me. Uh, it's great to have, talk sports. Uh, I really appreciate it. So anytime you need somebody to jump in, let me know. Uh, I'll try to be a little more up to date on UFC next time. My apologies. It's tough. We don't have cable anymore, so it, it's hard to keep up on some of this stuff. But no, no I worries, really, man. Really appreciate it. I really do appreciate it. And you know, anyone wants to hear me talk more, you can hear me talk about nerdy movies. Uh, so is your podcast every week, and you find all of our stuff by just going to sowizardpodcast.com. Real simple. Come check us out. Again, love you guys. Thank you so much. Absolutely, Joy. It's been a pleasure having you on, and you are welcome back anytime. Sports or entertainment edition, you just let us know when you want to come through. We will always make the time to have you come back on. And, Pad, we'll just keep it very short and sweet this week. For anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. So, once again, for our guest, Joy DeCarlo from the So Wizard Podcast. Tanner Fears Indies. <laughs> For the one and only Padawan J. Fuck the Astros. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time. Gotta beat to the punch. Gotta beat to the punch. Cause they can't.